0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Welcome to Sporkbox. Here are your headlines today. $200 billion in two days. Apple shares take a big hit as reporting gathers pace that Chinese government workers have been banned from using iPhones. Shares in Apple supply Qualcomm drop over 7%, leading U.S. chipmakers lower and weighing on Wall Street, while a fall in jobless claims triggers concerns over higher rates and stubborn inflation.
0: Meanwhile, Goldman Sachs' CEO David Solomon defending his time in the top job, telling this channel he doesn't recognize the recent caricature that's been painted, whilst pinning his hopes uh, on a rebound in IPO activity.
2: I definitely do feel better about the, the, uh, the capital markets and if you ask me to, to kind of look ahead you know, over the course of the next few months, especially if Arm and some of these other IPOs you know, go well, um, I think you're going to see a meaningful increase in activity.
0: And global leaders descending on New Delhi for the G20 summit, but the absence of China's Xi Jinping remains a key talking point. This amid continued tensions with the United States. We're going to hear from the WTO Director-General Ngozi Okonjo-iwila. That's exclusively at 10.30 CET.
1: market markets stateside, mostly on the back foot again, this time uh, concentrated around the technology sector. Don't forget, as we've rolled across the course of this trading week, we have seen concerns flare up around the US markets, US economy potentially still being too hot at this point, and again uh, posing the question around whether inflation has truly been dealt with by central banks. A big focus has been one of the big market leaders this week, and that's been Apple, and uh, the reports that have been rolling across whether there have been an official ban on those government employees using Apple devices and foreign devices at agencies and offices. The major markets you can see pulling back yesterday, that tech focus impacting the Nasdaq down 9 tenths of a percent So outpacing other major markets to the downside, a third down for the S&P and the Dow still just holding out in the green in session. But uh, it is a market that has been a little bit weaker over the course of the trading week. Let's just take a look at how those US markets have performed so far before the session today. As so I look to round out the trading week, down 2% on the Nasdaq. So, again, the cost of capital argument concerns that we have uh, a market again worried about the services component that still we've got uh, pricing pressures for the central bank to confront. That has very much uh, taken the shine off those tech stocks again. The yield story, of course, uh, escalating yields, having another big uh, bearing on these uh, equity trades this week. 1.4 down on the S&P, a little bit more contained in terms of the fallout for the Dow, but still in the red for the trading week to the tune of 1%. Apple, by comparison, as we take a look at that story, you can see the stock is down to the tune of almost 3%. So uh, the fall in the stock taking place yesterday, adding to the weekly decline of just over 6%. So second consecutive day that we've seen the stock falling, $200 billion in market cap shed in just two days all this is uh, there are these reports that Beijing could ban public officials in the government and other state-owned enterprises from using iPhones, sparking fears of a broader crackdown and what is Apple's biggest international market, making up a fifth of its total revenue. It also comes a week before the expected unveiling of Apple's iPhone 15. So big question marks again, of course, around the future of sales for this key device. The Chinese government, though, has not confirmed the reports which first appeared in The Wall Street Journal well, Apple has declined to comment. But uh, shares in Apple suppliers have also been caught up in the rout, with Qualcomm sinking more than 7% in Thursday's trade. Those big U.S. chipmakers uh, are facing a double threat. The U.S. also pro- probing Huawei's new smartphone, that is the Mate 60 Pro. It's believed to contain a 7-nanometer processor. This suggests China is making significant headway in producing its own advanced semiconductors, despite U.S. sanctions. Qualcomm provides Huawei with older 4G technology, although none of its tech is believed to be included in the new phone. But you can see the extent of the force across the board, uh, the 1.7 down on NVIDIA stock as well. Qualcomm itself, uh, the force, 7.2%. But uh, geopolitics here, no shortage of geopolitics and trade concerns around technology. And this time it may take a hit uh, to Apple. And of course, Apple has been one. That some have been criticising, actually, for playing a separate game to US foreign policy, that it still had open communication on the ground in China. But this report suggests, well, there could be pressure now coming to one of the biggest name stocks that has still been friendly with Chinese uh, companies and Chinese government. pressure is
0: stupid, because this is a major American corporation, a major American success story that is actually... Uh, building a business on both sides of the Pacific that actually lessens tensions. surely, if you have a good relationship between Apple and its suppliers in Taiwan, in South Korea, but especially in China, uh, and indeed with the United States, and is making billions of dollars in revenue and returns for the shareholders in the United States, then it, if it's not breaking any rules, why would you put pressure on this company? to do anything other than carry on doing what they're doing. It's, it's one of the biggest success stories of all time.
1: Well, it's not the only company that's been successful in the Chinese yeah, but you market. You said there's pressure going
0: again. on this company to change the way it communicate. You said, you, in fact, you exactly said, it's got open communication with the Chinese and I, and, and I agree. But I think that's a good thing, isn't it? We don't want a world where we don't speak to the Chinese. We no, don't want a world where the US and China don't communicate with each other at any level. That was the whole point of Blinken, the whole point of Yellen, the whole point of other big US officials going to China to try and build up that rapprochement again. We don't need the two biggest powers in the world, nuclear powers, not chatting.
1: Agreed. So what we've had, though, is that other US companies on the ground have faced this very same pressure because of the trade war to pull back. And in fact, a lot of the business areas of business lines that they've been engaged in have been fundamentally impacted by the trade war. The exception has really been Apple to a large extent because the devices are so popular on the ground with both uh, the retail customers and the commercial customers. But in terms of you know your commentary around officials going in, don't forget Blinken had one message and then Biden wrote it back almost uh, within a fortnight later about the type of engagement they will going to have. So I think the messaging from the administration has been very difficult for the corporates. What has been happening has been an isolation. Apple has been keeping things somewhat friendly. Now, this story does suggest that even the immunity that Apple seemed to enjoy because it was such a huge player in the industry could be now starting to to, to loosen its importance. I think what was fascinating was to see the progress that Huawei's made. Don't forget there's been no substitute really for the iPhone at this point and Huawei has had difficulty in accessing chips. Uh, The idea was that it was going to come up with its own semiconductor and now it suggests that uh, given the speed it's able to achieve, maybe it's had some progress but still, you've got to question whether it's anywhere near the likes of Samsung or the iPhone at this point in terms devices. I'm going to
0: very politely disagree with you, if I may. And, in, in which
1: uh, part? Quite a bit. I've
0: got to be honest. And, and you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think this is about Apple in isolation acting differently from other U.S. corporates. Uh, I've just put in a simple search: how many U.S. Co- companies operate in China? And it's estimated that over 50 thousand U.S. companies have operations in China. You've only got to look at the trade data, which you and I have done a lot over the last couple of years as well. And and actually the bilateral trade, despite the political rhetoric between Beijing and Washington, D.C., uh, the trade by and large, it's only just started to come off its recent highs. And that may be more about the China slowdown than anything else tens of thousands of american companies very successfully do business in china now i know there are issues and as you quite rightly say there's biden administration red lines but i think we have to get away from this attitude that it's all about One or two companies. It's all about, and and I I, I actually got another angle on this conversation. But obviously, that you come in next on the China thing. But I just think it's not just uh, so many companies are successfully trading with China, and I know there's IP issues, and I know there's competition issues at the border with customs and what have you as well. Uh, And there are concerns uh, about um, the cost of doing business for Chinese companies internationally rather than American or European companies. Mm -hmm. All of that is totally valid. But the fact is, tens of thousands of American corporations do stunningly large amounts of business in China successfully.
1: The pointy end of this conversation really has been in recent weeks where Apple has been engaging with Chinese suppliers about developing certain tech, and that's been seen at being odds with the Biden administration that's been limiting the advances in technology. So not, that's where, the, that's where the split yeah. seems to be right. And I think the is the foreign policy argument at Apple different because Apple's dominance in terms of market cap makes it the size of a country? Yeah. I mean, a country, so there has been a view, is there a policy? policy split between Biden and Apple at this point. But I think uh, as we see the story roll along today, it does make you wonder whether the Chinese are actually making these advances now because they have been hampered. And the Huawei story is not a new one. They've known that they needed to to bolster their semiconductor expertise. Yes, to
0: an are extent. Are they closing the
1: gap at all would be the big question for me today. Yes,
0: and, and, and again, I'm not going to argue that the pointy end is, is obviously the technological battle. The only thing I will say is it's not, again, one thing I've learned from reading that, chris miller book and we had this excellent interview i think it was two weeks ago today we spoke to chris miller the author of chip war is that no one country is going to dominate the chip supply chain it ain't going to be the chinese and it certainly ain't going to be the americans either it's not going to be the the dutch on their own it's a complicated it's not going to be the taiwanese on their own or the south koreans it is a old japanese these are all major players and it's all very complicated can i can i leave that one and i think it's a brilliant debate and i i just want to talk about market leadership Briefly as well, because I'm also going to disagree with you. <laughs> because
1: um, you don't think uh, Apple's a market leader.
0: I do think market, Apple is a market leader. Right. But I don't think that is the only place to look for leadership in the moves we've seen in the markets this week and indeed yesterday as well. And and bear with me because I know what you said. I I
1: am interested. (laughs) No, no, because I
0: know that Apple led the declines. I was actually 0.3 percent down for the S&P because of Apple. Mm -hmm. The Nasdaq was down disproportionately Mm -hmm. because of Apple over the last few days. Mm -hmm. But if, if you dig a little bit in a different direction, I'm not saying deeper because you've dug deeper on your research, but I'm going in a different direction. And I want to show, and I don't know if we can do this on a board, the Russell 2K and the transports this week. Neither sector has absolutely anything to do with Apple. Um, I think we've got the board here, the Russell 2K. OK, so what we can see is the Russell 2K in the last uh, couple of days, not quite the one I wanted, but it's, it's, it's good as. Thanks, team. Good for a Friday, as we say. Uh, um, Russell 2K this week is down 3.4%. The... Uh, Dow, Dow transports. I think we've got this one. I think we've we got. This? There we go. That's what I want. The week today on the on the Dow Jones transports is down three point four percent. Both indices have outperformed the technology index and the S and P to the downside. They have both come. So this is why I'm looking in a slightly different direction for the leadership as well. And look, you're totally valid about part of the market is taking its cue from Al- Apple, but I actually think what has changed is. I'm going back to our other row about Goldilocks, right. because I think that we're not looking enough at what we should look at, and, and I know you mentioned it, but, but we're talking about this Goldilocks scenario, and I have my questions, I'm not saying it's not the case, I'm saying I have questions with it. When you look at the jobless claims running at historically low levels, the jobless claims four week average has gone down over the last four weeks at a time when we're supposed to be saying, hang on a second, isn't the jobs market cooling, and it may well be. I, I appreciate the farm payroll data, and I appreciate the JOLTS data. But if the j- weekly jobless claims is now trading at a lower four-week average than the four weeks earlier, that doesn't say to me that jobs market is necessarily coming up. Continuing claims, which represent individuals claiming unemployment levels, are also at the lowest levels since July lowest level since July. That also isn't saying to me that it is a significantly cooling jobs market. And I'll just chuck in one more bit of data before you run over me with some brilliant <laughs> stuff coming the other direction. Um, 5.7% gain is the latest hourly compensation data on unit labour costs. Think about that, and just in real terms, all of us do that now. 5.7% gain in hourly compensation costs in the United States doesn't sound to me yet that the workers are losing their compensation battle with the employers.
1: So this is the problem. We've had a whole bunch of mixed data, right? So we rolled across last week and we had jobs data that looked like we were making progress in addition to the inflation numbers that suggested that uh, uh, central banks were starting to, to get ahead of the, pro- the problem, the challenge. Unfortunately, then we get the services data and it is too hot. So again, the mixed bag, we've got everything thrown into the pot. And I think investors have been jumping around on these stock trades as a result. So what we closed out last week, the the slight optimism faded very quickly this week. And in terms of direction to the downside, you've had it in in key areas. For me, there's been three big stocks every time the market's been rallying in recent years. That's been Apple, Microsoft and Goldman Sachs. If you look at the sectors, FANG stocks down aggressively. Apple, of course, was one that was down aggressively. Banking names lost 5% for the trading week as well. So in addition to what you've seen in the the Russell, don't forget this area of the market, if we're going to get extra tightening, then it's some of the small stocks that are not going to weather that domestic uh, brunt very, very well. So hence the the sell-off in the Russell 2000. So I would say that it's been one of those uh, stop-start markets to trade based on are we going up on rates still, are we going down on rates because we've got Goldilocks. I think it's been a little bit too choppy for a lot uh, of And days. this is
0: what we do every day. We, we thrash over these issues. We try and give you them in different directions, everybody. And and if you want us to do it in a different way, you think we're missing the point or something, the best way of contacting Karen and I is through Karen's Twitter account. I can assure you that is the best way. She she monitors it far better than I do as well. So we hope you kind of enjoy the fact that we kind of knock these things around and don't try and agree with each other for the sake of it. The
1: only problem, if you get in touch with, with both of us via my Twitter account, you cannot say that Steve was right.
0: You are very welcome to say Steve may have had a small point, though. Uh, Apple is set to be a key investor in Arm's blockbuster New York debut, expected to price next week. The uh, chip designer CEO, René Haas, addressed other potential investors in the city on Thursday amid concerns around the stagnating mobile phone market, where the company holds a 99% market share. This after Arm's SEC filing revealed it would seek a lower valuation, interesting, than had previously been implied uh, by the SoftBank company, filings so reading on uh, that debut is set to be America's largest in over a year CNBC spoke exclusively to the Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon who said the upcoming spate of tech IPOs uh, I did not know about spate and about uh, arm anyway let's see if there's a spate he said the upcoming spate of tech IPOs could help kickstart capital markets
2: I definitely do feel better about the the, you know, the capital markets and if you ask me to to kind of look ahead you know over the course of the next few months especially if arm and some of these other ipos you know go well um i think you're going to see a meaningful increase in activity now david it's often anemic an anemic amount of activity yeah, i mean nothing would, happened nothing no, no i mean it's it's really investment banking activity if you go back to the second quarter investment banking activity in the second quarter was a, a 10-year low yeah. and so it's not hard to improve off of that but i think we could very quickly get back to what i'd call a more normalized level of activity and the capital markets, and that's obviously very, very good for Goldman Sachs.
0: Ah, and you can see it was a really good interview. Actually, you can see plenty more of that interview. It was exclusive, by the way, with the Goldman Sachs uh, chief on our website. Yes, he doesn't recognise the character, Karen, that has been painted in the press. Notice it was the press. And, yes. and again, I, I, he brilliant, very great to give us exclusive access. But it's interesting how the, the dialogue from Mr. Solomon there. Oh, well, I saw it in the press. Not, right. not, not coming from investors, not coming yeah. from staff. I thought that was
1: interesting. It is, isn't it? Uh, plenty coming up this morning. It's a busy old Friday, and let me tell you what's ahead. Uh, the Asian Development Bank Director General Tomoyuku Kamura will be speaking to CNBC at the G20 Summit in New Delhi. He's been saying that the region is facing immense challenges. We're going to bring you that exclusive interview after the break. Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary faces a different kind of in-flight meal <laughs> after a run-in with protesters in Brussels. And don't miss Street Signs, where Tanvir will speak exclusively to WTO Director-General Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala will bring you that conversation at 10.30 CET, only on CNBC. disrupted in Hong Kong today as a black rain descends on uh, the area and you can see uh, an aerial shot that we're bringing you currently of uh, the conditions on the ground and uh, let me take you to what we're seeing on markets and to the dollar it's been very much a dollar is king story of late uh, we've seen the eighth straight week of gains uh, for the dollar so uh, certainly uh, a real bounce around the data that we've seen lately from the United States and very supportive of yields as a result, we've seen some casualties. A sterling dollar reversing back below the one twenty five handle. Euro is an interesting week that we're setting up for. Now there is a view that the ECB could be holding steady and uh, rather than hiking next week, uh, a lot of different debates around that still around what the central bank may do. And as a result, uh, that is pushing against this currency one oh seven fourteen amid that dollar strength. Other major trades we're watching: the yen has been at a new ten month low one forty seven versus the dollar heading towards that uh, 150 handle where uh, some of the traders think uh, that's the line in the sand for authorities to intervene so uh, again uh, huge moves that we're seeing at uh, these levels uh, these psychological levels on uh, various different trades at this point uh, the top diplomat out of japan uh, kanda said that authorities won't rule out any option to clamp down on speculative moves. And again, uh, the the Cabinet Secretary also saying the government is watching with urgency. So there's a lot there for uh, traders when it comes to the foreign exchange moves. And of course, the Chinese have been moving on levels around the Yuan as well. So the uh, greenback strength this week, somewhat uh, of uh, heartburn it's been creating across four major uh, trades across the region. To the Treasuries as a result and those elevated yields that I've been mentioning, the services data, again just that final piece that uh, was a catalyst to drive these yields into further green territory over the course of the trading week. Uh, the 2 and the 10 uh, has been an area we've been watching, although we are off the 5% level now, 4.92 on that two-year, 4.22 on the 10-year. To the Asia markets, I mentioned we're ex-Hong Kong after you've seen those shots. Uh, the Japanese stock market market down 1.3% or uh, more than 420 points in the red for the Friday session, reversal across on the Shenzhen and Shanghai composite. Again, more data we've had to, to weather this week around uh, the Chinese market about uh, just what the economic story looks like. The Cosby and South Korea trading down at this point, Steve.
0: I know we're going to move on and Marty's waiting, but, but this rain, it's the heaviest rainfall since 1884. Wow. 83 people have been injured by rain. I'd never heard of Black Rain. In fact, I had heard of Black Rain. It's a brilliant but tragic film uh, based in Tokyo with Michael Douglas in 1989. But But Black Rain, this is just the heaviest rainfall since 1884. Extraordinary. Right, meanwhile, the stage is set for the G20 Leaders Summit in New Delhi this weekend with geopolitical divisions, debt, sustainability and multilateralism. Just a few of the themes running through the event. Tanvir caught up with the Director General of the Asian Development Bank, that is Tomoyuki Kimura, and started by asking him about the key challenges the group faces.
2: The challenges we are facing in this region and also globally are immense, including climate change, uh, uh, pandemic, and the natural disasters. So, uh, a development bank. Uh, uh, can and must uh, take bold action to help address these challenges. So uh, ADB uh, very much welcome uh, the efforts by all parties uh, to ensure you know, MDBs are well equipped to play this critical role. In this context, we also welcome the India's strong leadership advocacy for the importance of multilateralism.
0: Well, notably absent from this year's event is Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, deciding instead to send his premier speaking at a press conference in New Delhi. With the l- in the last hour, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen commented on that and the economic challenges China is facing.
3: China um, faces a variety of both short and longer-term global challenges, uh, economic challenges that we've been monitoring carefully, including less of a pickup in consumer spending than um, had been anticipated in the aftermath of um, the COVID restrictions, as well as longstanding issues with respect to um, the property sector and um, debt debt, um, related to that. And longer term, of course, um, population growth is Um, now turned negative and the labor force is beginning to shrink. Um, So, um, see China's growth as slowing over time. That said, China has quite a bit of policy space to address these challenges. So, we're monitoring the situation. Um, I I don't see it as having um, very significant direct impact on the United States. some countries in east asia are more likely to be um aff- affected by the slowdown
0: well marty joins us uh, from new delhi marty i'm a disagreeable chap so i'll even disagree with uh, another great woman i've already disagreed with karen on set today so i'll do it with janet yellen as well to think that it's only the asian countries who may have ramifications from a slowdown in china and that the u.s is insulated I'm, not just, I'm just not buying it, Martin, but it's very interesting that the U.S. Uh, Treasury Secretary felt that she could weigh in on, on the Chinese uh, economic performance.
4: Yeah, it was interesting, uh, Stephen. Good morning, Karen. and Good morning, early Europe as well. So Secretary Yellen they're speaking at a press conference just a minutes ago, and the line that caught most people's attention was uh, that soundbite that you just ran, uh, saying that uh, they're monitoring uh, the slowdown in China, but right now they don't see it impacting uh, the United States and uh, the economy there. Having said that, though, a couple other lines from Yellen before we move on here. She says the most important thing that we can do for global growth is for Russia to end its brutal war in Ukraine. Ukraine, and she goes on to say that uh, she's aware of the G20, rather is aware of the risks to global growth. The negative influence is Russia. The war in Ukraine, and that has elevated food and energy prices. And uh, she goes on to say that they're trying to move forward on agricultural initiatives that will help to counter Russia's withdrawal from the Black Sea grain deal, something that is still right now under negotiation between uh, Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president, and uh, Putin himself. So we'll have to see where that goes. But this has been a very long-running story, 18 months now into this war in Ukraine. Uh, I want to take a step back, though, uh, Steve, and talk about... uh, the news flow, other than the the Secretary uh, Yellen press conference, the the big thing we're waiting for here in Delhi is the arrival of uh, U.S. President Joe Biden. That happens this evening at around seven o'clock local time. Forty five minutes after that, he is set to meet with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi again. And I say again because it is very rare for two leaders to meet so often. And let me explain what I mean by that. The recent timeline, if you recall, back in May. Uh, we were up in, uh, in uh, Hiroshima at the G7 summit on the sidelines of that. The Quad had their summit as well, US and India part of that, so the two leaders met then. Then just a month later in June, Mr. Modi goes to Washington, accorded and afforded full state visit honors, and then now we're here in September at the G20 summit, where they're set to meet yet again before the actual summit proper uh, begins. So this is going to be the third time in five months That these two leaders have met now this is not coincidence diplomacy doesn't work like that Uh, things are planned usually weeks months even years in advance is it timing potentially as i just ran you through the recent timeline but more than anything else steve on the part of the u.s and president biden it is intentional we spoke with david satterfield take a listen this is deeply strategic and in this case it is not so much aimed at uh, russia as it is at China. Uh, The United States does not want to see a a critical partner, a critical global economic force, India, uh, come under Chinese sway, uh, whether through force or persuasion. And I think the same applies to Vietnam. So, David Satterfield, uh, they're now the Baker Institute for Public Policy, and before that, in a previous life, a longtime U.S. diplomat and a former uh, Assistant Secretary of State for South Asia Affairs. So, this is someone who uh, knows what he's talking about. He referred to Vietnam. Now, this is the next leg on President Biden's swing out here through Asia. Right after Delhi, he heads to Hanoi and reports there. Are that two countries could elevate the status of their relationship as well uh, to a strategic comprehensive partner uh, level so this is a case of uh, geopolitics making for pretty strange bedfellows five ten years ago you wouldn't have expected the US and India to become to have become so close and you could say the same thing for the US and Vietnam as well back to you
1: Marty let me pick up on that uh, tie between geopolitics and trade because there is this big story kicking around today around Apple and reports that there's been a- a ban on the use of those iPhones uh, at government agencies but this is really interesting because there is separate reporting that suggests the reason she hasn't turned up at G20 is because there's a reset of this approach to his wolf warrior diplomacy strategy and this is interesting isn't it that if there is a direct change how does it impact the trade side do you think there has been a change behind the scenes that there's a reset now that it's not working for China and the economic problems are so great they need to change tack when it comes to foreign policy now too
4: Karen, you know, that is almost an unknowable question. Probably only a handful of people know the answer to that. I'm unfortunately not uh, one of them. There have been a lot of theories floating around about why Xi Jinping has decided to skip uh, the G20. Uh, the most obvious is probably not just a slowing economy at home, but also he's, he's dealing with natural disasters. You guys were talking about black rain in China, the north of the country, which is usually a lot drier, not used to heavy rainfall, has been suffering under a deluge of rain recently. Record rainfall, and she right now, as we speak, is in the northeast of the country in Heilongjiang province, visiting there. So, uh, yes, it's, uh, he's I guess uh, uh, he's conspicuous by his absence here at the G20, but he's also beginning to attract a little bit of criticism, even at home, for being late to visiting these uh, uh, stricken areas uh, by uh, massive flooding in the northeast uh, of the country. Uh, because his predecessors, including people like Hu Jintao, have not been as late getting to the scene of disasters. So, you know, to to try and tie that back into uh, trade, we simply don't know, uh, Karen. I read that same report, and uh, the ban on use of iPhones in China, I think, if I'm not mistaken, would end up affecting about 35% of China's workforce, saying you can use anything else but no Apple phones. And that's simply because, uh, you know, the civil service in China is the biggest employer in the country. So that ban is going to affect one third more than one third of China's workforce. Whether or not they'll be happy or feeling more patriotic, we, we simply don't know.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.